What is going on, everybody? Welcome into a new episode of the Fantasy Football Champs podcast. Mark here again, rolling solo as we finish up week one, praise or shade. On yesterday's show, we did quarterbacks and running backs. Today, we're going to tackle the wide receivers and tight ends. This is going to be a good one. Make sure you stay tuned. Hi, I'm New England Patriots running back and Super Bowl champ, James White, and you're listening to the Fantasy Football Champs podcast. Go Pats. Alright guys, welcome back to a new episode of the Fantasy Football Champs Podcast. If you listened to yesterday's show, we started a new segment called Praise or Shade, where we talk about the top five players at each position and uh, talk over the stat line briefly and whether we think we should praise them for their performance or throw some shade their way and if we think that they can do it again in week two. So as I already stated at the top of the show, yesterday we did quarterbacks and running backs. Let's just jump right into the wide receivers. Now, the top scoring wide receiver for the day was Green Bay Packers, Devontae Adams. Now, Devontae Adams had himself a day, to say the least. He put up in a half-point PPR 34.6 fantasy points, a full five points better than the second-place receiver. Uh, let's talk about his stat line a bit. Now, the Green Bay Packers went up against the Minnesota Vikings. There's actually a lot of people out there that were worried about this matchup and worried about Aaron Rodgers, but Rodgers looked uh, like the 2015 Aaron Rodgers. So if we can get that Aaron Rodgers on a week-to-week basis, then Devontae Adams could easily come back to be the number one overall fantasy wide receiver. And the doorway's wide open for him, right? Because it looks like Michael Thomas is going to miss multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain. So Devontae Adams, I mean, he's probably the wide receiver you want. Now, Mr. Adams had 17 targets against the Minnesota Vikings. He brought in 14 of them for 156 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Boy, oh boy, 14 for 156 and two. And uh, his touchdown catches were spectacular catches. He looked great. Now, hopefully Aaron Rodgers' pass attempts can repeat. He threw the ball 44 times week one and uh, that was really high last year he didn't average anywhere close to that number so hopefully uh with the new offense they got over there hopefully that means that they rely on rogers to throw the ball a little more uh the running back carries aaron jones still had 16 attempts which uh which isn't all that bad i mean if you drafted aaron jones in the second round you uh you probably want more than 16 rushing attempts but I mean, he's always involved in the passing game, Aaron Jones is, and he had six targets himself there. Caught him four of them for only 10 yards. But you still feel pretty good about where you drafted Aaron Jones, especially if Aaron Rodgers is going to be slinging it. You know, catches are more valuable than carries, so if Aaron Jones can get a... Uh can get six targets on a week-to-week basis that would be spectacular for him um i really want to see what this offense looks like going forward to see if week one was just an outlier or not but the packers looked really good man and Devonte adams looked every bit of the superstar he is now do i think that Devonte adams can be a top five wide receiver week two absolutely i'm totally expecting him to be a top five i actually think that he could be the number one overall wide receiver again because he's going up against the detroit lions and the the detroit lions aren't stopping 
anybody. Uh, Devontae Adams can torch everybody in that secondary. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a really big week again. So I expect big things coming from Devontae Adams. No shade cast your way, good sir. Nothing but praise. You are fantastic. I think you're going to do it again, too. Now, if you're going against Devontae Adams in fantasy this week, hold on to your hats and just pray he doesn't go for 30-plus. Okay, coming in number two among wide receivers was actually an Atlanta Falcons receiver, but not the one you probably expect. It's Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley had 29.4 points in a half-point PPR, which is monstrous. Now, I was all over Calvin Ridley this offseason as uh, as the Chris Godwin of last year. I thought Calvin Ridley had a huge chance to break out, and it looks like he's on that path after one week anyway. And one of the reasons why I was all over Calvin Ridley is because Matt Ryan throws the ball a ton, and there was a lot of vacated targets over there. So Matt Ryan did exactly what I thought. He threw the ball 54 times for 450 passing yards and two touchdowns. Now, it just so happens that Calvin Ridley was actually on the receiving end of both of those passing touchdowns. Uh, Just listen to these top two receivers. Now, Julio Jones actually had the better day, but Calvin Ridley had the two touchdowns, which made all the difference in the world in the overall uh, standings. Julio Jones had 12 targets. Calvin Ridley had 12 targets. You like that if you're a Calvin Ridley owner. Julio Jones caught nine of them. Calvin Ridley caught nine of them. You like that a lot. Julio Jones had 157 receiving yards. Calvin Ridley had 130. That's great. And as I already mentioned, Calvin Ridley had the two receiving touchdowns. Surprisingly enough, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time talking about this player because we're talking about uh, the top performers. But Russell Russell Gage also had 12 targets and nine receptions. So all three of the receiving options had 12 targets each. They all caught nine. They all had over 100 receiving yards. But Calvin Ridley brought down the two touchdowns, which you know touchdowns are gold in fantasy football. Do I think Calvin Ridley can repeat as a top five wide receiver in week two? Let's see. So the Atlanta Falcons are playing against the Cowboys in Dallas. Uh, the Dallas Dallas's defense didn't look that great. Jared Goff had a pretty decent game. I mean, he didn't have any passing touchdowns, but Jared Goff could throw the ball against that secondary. Uh, the Cowboys have to worry about Julio Jones and Ridley. I think they're going to focus on Julio, probably rightfully so. So I do think Calvin Ridley can get off again this week. Top five finish, though? Oh, man, I mean, top five is high, though. It really is. You know what? I'm going to say no for this week. I got to figure that I don't think he's going to have another multiple touchdown performance this weekend. Um, I can see Julio Jones getting one. Maybe Gurley gets, uh, I mean, Gurley had a rushing touchdown week one, but maybe Gurley a little more involved in the passing game week two. Um, I think Dallas really focuses on the the passing game. So I think uh, I think Calvin Ridley will have a good game. I can see him having over 100 receiving yards again with, uh, with a good amount of receptions. But I'm not banking on the double touchdown performance, which to get into the top five wide receivers, you kind of need either a ass load of receiving yards or multiple touchdowns. Just so happens Calvin Ridley kind of did both of those last week. But if Julio Jones caught one of those two touchdowns, then Julio would have been in the top five and Calvin Ridley would have been out of there. So I'm going to say Calvin Ridley does not repeat in the top five this weekend, but I do really like him. I think he's a clear-cut top ten option this weekend fairly easily. So I do like Calvin Ridley. I'm not saying don't start him. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. 
but top five I think is gonna be harder for him this week. I don't think he makes it into the top five. But then again, it could be easier, right? Because we're probably not going to have any Godwin this weekend. We're not having any Michael Thomas this weekend. Those are two top five wide receivers in their own right. So maybe, uh, I mean, this could be a week where he could get back in there kind of by default. Okay, so coming in third place was Adam Thielen. He was another guy where you were either an Adam Thielen guy or you weren't. Uh, With Stevon Diggs gone, Adam Thielen had... A lot of uh, wide receiver one potential, but then again, he also has a bit of an injury history, which kind of scared some people, and you know Minnesota wants to run the rock. Um, Adam Thielen showed up in a big way, making the Adam Thielen truthers look good for the opening day. He put up 28 fantasy points. Now again, Adam Thielen was the beneficiary of catching all the passing touchdowns for his team. Now, Kirk Cousins threw the ball. Only 25 times, 25 times in a game where they scored 34 points was a bit surprising. I mean, he threw for 259 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. I feel like that's the typical Kirk Cousins stat line, about 250, one or two touchdowns and probably an interception or a fumble. So a pretty standard game for Kirk Cousins. Adam Thielen led the way with eight targets. Next highest, there was two players tied with four apiece. On those eight targets, he caught six of them for 110 yards and two receiving touchdowns, which absolutely vaulted him up into the top five. Anytime you can have a multiple touchdown performance, you're probably going to finish in the top five. Adam Thielen looked good. Um, Green Bay's secondary doesn't scare anybody, so I think he was in a pretty good spot week one. But we know the identity of Minnesota, and we know Minnesota wants to run the rock. So week two, do I think Adam Thielen can finish in the top five? They're going up against the Colts. Uh, the Colts had a monumental collapse uh, in their Week 1 matchup. Uh, the Colts, uh, man, the Colts with Phillip Rivers, they're kind of funny looking, aren't they? I'm still not really sure how I feel about the Colts. Now, they had Marlon Mack go down, which hurts, so they're going to be relying more on Jonathan Taylor, who didn't look great running the ball Week 1, but he's going to have a whole week to, uh, to try to get that under control. Minnesota's not really a great spot to try to establish the run game. So I think that uh, I think this is going to be a lower scoring game. I think Minnesota is going to be okay, though. The Colts defense isn't anything special in their own right. But do I think Adam Thielen will finish in the top five again? I do not. I just don't think. I can't see Adam Thielen catching two receiving touchdowns two weeks in a row. I just don't think he's that kind of guy. I know that's not really a good reasoning, but if I had to put my money on him getting to or not getting to, I'm going to put all my money that he does not get two receiving touchdowns. Maybe Dalvin Cook gets a little more involved in the passing game. Um, Cook had two touchdowns in his own right, so they could just try to establish the run because the Vikings are probably going to be playing with the lead, I imagine. So I don't think I don't think Adam Thielen's really going to pop off too crazy this week. All right, so coming in fourth place is Darius Slayton. This was a bit of a surprise. He put up 25.2 fantasy points in his week one matchup against the Steelers. Now, that was a, uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys watched the game. It was definitely an interesting one. The Steelers' defense looks like they might have the best run defense in the league this year. They really bottled up Saquon on the ground. They really only let him get loose on one reception, which ended up going for a big chunk of yardage. But the Steelers' defense looked really good. Um, You could tell that their game plan, they had one plan in mind, and that was to stop Barkley. 
So they really put all their attention on that. Now Daniel Jones threw the ball 41 times, only completed 26 of them for 279, two touchdowns, also two interceptions. Um, so Darius Slayton uh, was tied for targets, and this is why the Saquon Barkley owners out there do not overreact to week one, I urge you. Because on the team, Saquon Barkley was tied for targets with Slayton. They both had nine apiece. Nine targets going towards your running back is spectacular. Uh, Slayton caught six of nine for 102 yards, and he caught both touchdowns. Again, I think this is just a two-touchdown bump that got him into the top five. I don't. This isn't going to happen very often. Darius Slayton has a history of popping off in a big way and then completely disappearing. He's an inconsistent wide receiver. Golden Tate was not active for this game. Uh, and again, Pittsburgh really sold out to, uh, to make sure that they stopped the run. So before I even look ahead to see who the Giants are facing, I think I can already tell you that I'm going to go on the side of that Slayton will not finish in the top five. But, you know, just to double check, let's see who they're playing against. And it is going to be the 0-1. Oh, my apologies. I am so sorry, Bears fans. The 1-0 Chicago Bears. Now, this this is going to be interesting to me. Because last week, the Bears went against the Lions, and Adrian Peterson absolutely diced them up on the ground. Uh, very unexpected. Didn't, and I didn't even think Peterson looked all that. He looked like he was moving kind of slow, but he was decisive and he ran with power. But he didn't really have the speed, obviously, because the, the dude's 38 years old. But the fact that Adrian Peterson got off against the Chicago Bears on the ground, I think that the Giants are going to come out. They have a pissed off Saquon Barkley after getting bottled up week one. You could see the frustration on Barkley's face. I think New York comes out here and they really try to establish the run. I think Barkley has a massive game against the Bears, uh, and I don't see, I don't think Slayton is going to get two touchdowns again. I think this is going to really be the Barkley show. We got to see if Golden Tate's going to play. Um, if I had Darius Slayton on my team and he just had that monster game, I d I'm definitely trying to sell him at his high point right now. See what I can get in return, because I wouldn't be surprised if Slayton disappears this week. So just keep that in the back of your mind that the dude, he's like Houdini. Like one second he's there, one second he's not. So if you could trade Slayton, I'd be all for it. But I think this is going to be a Saquon game. I think it's going to be a fuck you game from him. So I'm staying away. I don't feel great about uh, Slayton, especially finishing in the top five. I think he's going to struggle to finish in the top 20 this week. Okay, now I want, I want you guys to get ready for this. I just want to point out that, again, the running backs go a little wonky towards the bottom of the top five, right? I don't know if you guys remember or not, but we had Malcolm Brown and Naeem Hines make the list in the top five. The wide receivers, it's another similar situation where it gets weird. So four was Slayton. I mean, he had a couple weeks last year where he got up in there, but a lot of times he wasn't. And coming in fifth was Robbie Anderson. Fresh out of New York, going to Carolina, puts up a big week. He goes for 22.5 fantasy points. So before we get to Robbie Anderson, let's talk a bit about Bridgewater. Now, Bridgewater, this is like his his redemption. All right, Carolina went out there. They let go of Cam Newton. They brought in Bridgewater to be the guy. And we weren't really sure how he would do. Now, he, he looked like a little bit more than a game manager for New Orleans last year. So his opener, he threw the ball 34 times, which you like. Completed 22 of them for 269 in one touchdown. That's that's fine. Um, 
running the ball, it's still just the McCaffrey show. McCaffrey had a good game in his own right. He had uh, 23 attempts, 97 yards, two touchdowns. It was a bit concerning for McCaffrey that he only had four targets. Last year, he was getting force-fed targets, so we'll see. Carolina had a heartbreaking loss in this one. So we'll see if uh, they try to get Christian McCaffrey involved a little more in the passing game, which could affect Robbie Anderson. Um, DJ Moore owners out there, I know you were disappointed with his week one, but he did have nine targets. He led the way there. So that is reassuring. Now, out of the nine targets, he only caught four, which Bridgewater has a pretty accurate ball. So you don't like seeing that he only caught four of them. Uh, hopefully the, uh, the chemistry is there. Hopefully they can get on the same page for week two. But Robbie Anderson... Tied for second on the team in targets with Curtis Samuels, if you can believe it or not. Uh, Robbie Anderson had eight targets. He caught six of them for 114 yards and a touchdown. Now, granted, one of them was off a broken play where he had about a 60-yard touchdown reception. But this is Robbie Anderson we're talking about. We know he's he's a boom-bust player. And if he's going to get eight targets a game, if you're telling me if he can get eight targets a game, it only takes him one big one to really make his week, then I think that there'll be some more weeks this year where we see Robbie Anderson. I mean, I don't know about top five, but I think we can see Robbie Anderson in the top 12 a few more times this year. I really do. If the target volume is going to be like that and defenses are focused in on McCaffrey and DJ Moore, I think Robbie Anderson's in a really nice spot this year. He definitely impressed in his week one performance. Now, do I think that he can finish in the top five for week two? Um, well, they're going against Tampa Bay in Tampa. Tampa Bay kind of got embarrassed in their opener against Drew Brees. You have a mad Tom Brady. I've been a Patriots fan my whole life, so I know that a mad Tom Brady usually means he's going to come back and have a big Tom Brady week. If that's the case, I think Tampa Bay is going to run up the score on this one. I think that the Tampa Bay is going to be putting up touchdowns on the board. Now, Godwin might not be there. So that could affect it a bit. It looks like Mike Evans is probably going to play with the uh, with the hamstring issue that he played through last week. Mike Evans had his week absolutely saved by like a one-yard touchdown pass, his only catch of the game. So the Buccaneers offense definitely looked hesitant. Dare I say the lone bright spot on the Buccaneers offense might have been Ronald Jones? Now... Ronald Jones had a couple nice runs. He was involved in the passing game a bit. I do think that the Buccaneers are going to put up points on the board in this one. So if Godwin's not there, you're probably going to get another pretty good Scotty Miller game. Evans is going to get some targets. Maybe Gronk has a bit of a bounce back. Um, I think Rojo could have a nice game here. Uh, long story short, I think Carolina is going to be trailing. If Carolina is going to be trailing, Bridgewater is going to have to throw the ball more. So do I think Robbie Anderson can hit a home run this week? I do. Um, but I also think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to try to make a extra effort to get the ball to DJ Moore because DJ Moore is a really talented young receiver. He can take one of those slants to the house. Um, I do think that they're going to try to get DJ Moore involved more. Um, DJ more involved more. I didn't even notice. Look at that. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing it without even trying. So, I, nah, I do like, I do think Carolina can put up some points. I think there's going to be, I think there's garbage time points to be had here. Robbie Anderson could definitely be the beneficiary of that. Am I going to project Robbie Anderson to be in the top five? No way. You'd have to be a crazy person to project him into the top five. But I do, however, think that he could make it into the top 24 this week. 
which would put him at a low-end wide receiver too, which means I think you can get away with starting Robbie Anderson this week in a flex situation if you're in a pinch. I don't think it's, it's going to be that bad. The volume is going to be there. They're going to have to throw to catch up. So, I mean, why not? You could do worse. And so let's move over to the tight end position. Now, tight ends are disgusting, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna make this one even shorter. I'm gonna tell you who's in the top five. I'm gonna talk about the guys who you wouldn't expect to be in there. I'm gonna tell you what they did, and I'm gonna tell you if I think that they can do it again. Mark Andrews finished as the tight end one with 20 points. He had two touchdowns. One of them was a great one-handed catch. Mark Andrews is a monster. No one is surprised by Mark Andrews making the top five. I had him ranked as my number three overall tight end on the season, only behind Kittle and Kelsey. So he comes in week one as number one. Number two was Dallas Goddard. He put up 20.1 fantasy points. He looked really good, man. He had way more targets than you would have expected. He's playing more than you would have guessed, even with Zach Ertz over there. And he had a better game than Zach Ertz. Um, Zach Ertz isn't happy with his contract situation right now. Like, could we see a changing of the guard here? It's possible. I'll get back to Goddard. Noah Font comes in number three. I'll admit I wasn't a big Font guy, but he looked better in week one than I expected. But again, a caveat, Cortland Sutton wasn't there. Noah Font went for 16.6 fantasy points. TJ Hawkinson, where have I seen this before? Oh yeah, week one last year where he had a big game and then he disappeared for the rest of the season. TJ Hawkinson had 14.1 fantasy points. That was good for fourth place among tight ends. And Travis Kelsey comes in the fifth spot. He played the Thursday night game. He went for 14 points even and a half point PPR. Worth noting that that game was so in hand that they just really let Clyde edwards Lair cook in the whole second half. Travis Kelsey did all of his damage really in the first half. Could have been a way bigger game than the 14 points, but they really didn't need him to. So... The tight ends I want to talk about is Goddard, Font, and Hawkinson, because you expect Kelsey and, uh, and Andrews to be up there on a week-to-week basis. And you're always starting those guys no matter what, and they should always be in the top five. All right, so this is why we needed to talk about Dallas Goddard, and I really wanted to bring this up. Zach Ertz, who definitely had the draft capital, he got drafted as a third or fourth tight end off the board. His ADP was in the fifth round. He had seven targets, all right, which is good. He only caught three of them for 18 yards, and he got bailed out by a touchdown. Um, Now let's talk about Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard actually led the team with nine targets. He caught eight of them for 101 receiving yards and a touchdown, and Goddard was on the field for 80% of the snaps. That is concerning if you have Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard looked, he just looked better. He looked faster. He looks stronger. I mean, they even wear almost the same number. Sometimes it can be hard to tell who has the ball when they're running down the field. If Dallas Goddard is going to play 80% of the snaps, then Dallas Goddard is going to be an absolute must-start on a week-to-week basis. He's an unbelievably talented tight end. There was, like, no draft capital in having him at all. He was very cheap. So I really like Goddard going forward. Do I think that he can finish in the top five week two? They're going up against the Rams. I'm not so sure. I mean, if Zach Ertz can establish his dominance again, then maybe Goddard doesn't. But if Goddard's going to be on the field 80% of the time, I absolutely absolutely think he can finish in the top five. And not just next week. I think he can finish in the top five on a week-to-week basis if he's going to get that many snaps. All right, so let's talk about Noah Font. 
Now, Noah Fon was a guy I wasn't overly high on because I wasn't sure how I felt about Drew Locke. Drew Locke, he threw the ball 33 times, completed 22 for 216 and one touchdown. Uh, I mean, that's nothing too special. Um, receiving, though, Noah Font had the second most targets on the team with six. He caught five of them for 81 in a, in a touchdown. The touchdown was only from a couple of yards out. But Font looked, I mean, he looked the part. He looked pretty good. Um, now, probably the most important thing that we should mention is that Quillen Sutton didn't play. Quillen Sutton is the number one wide receiver on this team. Jerry Judy, uh, he kind of got thrust into the wide receiver one role. He got targeted eight times. He only caught four of them for 56 yards. So you bring Sutton over there. You got to figure Sutton is going to demand targets. Uh, that's probably going to bring down Judy's a little bit, and I think it could bring down Font's a touch as well. Um, do I think Noah Font is a top five tight end? I really don't. I really don't think he is. The touchdown, it was such a close range ball. They could have easily have just handed it off to Gordon to punch it in. Um, I do think Font looks good. I think he'll be a clear top 10, but a top five? I'm not sure. Now, week two, if Corlin Sutton is going to play, I don't think he's going to be in the top five for week two. If Sutton doesn't play, then he definitely has, uh, obviously, he has a better chance of doing so. Now, the unfortunate thing is that they're going against the Steelers, where we just watched the Steelers absolutely lock down the Giants. I'm not sure how much better the Broncos are than the Giants. If you were to compare them, I mean, would you rather have Locke or Jones? You're probably taking Jones. Running back situation, would you rather have Barkley or Gordon? You take Barkley. Wide receivers, you have Sterling Shepard. Uh, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, and Slayton versus Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and then what, Deshaun Hamilton? And then for tight ends, you got Evan Ingram versus Font. I think the Giants have a better offense, and they got locked down. I think this is going to be a long game for the Broncos. I'm actually kind of scared to play Melvin Gordon in this matchup. I mean, Philip Lindsay is going to be out most likely, so Melvin Gordon's going to have all the opportunities in the world, but that defense looks so good against Barkley that I'm actually afraid to play any Broncos against Pittsburgh in Week 2. So that makes, let, let's talk about the big dog, TJ Hawkinson now. Now Matthew Stafford kind of struggled in this game to start. He ended up throwing the ball 42 times, only completed 24 of them, which is low for him. He threw for 297 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. The passing yards were there, he, he could have easily been over 300, so you like seeing that from Stafford. Uh, the interception isn't great, obviously, but the touchdown's good. He could have easily thrown for two, but DeAndre Swift dropped that wide-open touchdown. That would have won the game. Tough break for DeAndre Swift. Um, hmm. All right, so let's look at the receiving. Now, again, kind of like Cortland Sutton not playing for the Broncos, Kenny Galladay didn't play for the Lions. Again, Kenny Galladay is their number one wide receiver, so that's going to change some things when he gets back into the lineup. Now, the target leader for this team was actually Quintez Kempuff. <laughs> I probably murdered that name. Kempus. Quintez Kemp Kempus. He had 10 targets. Only caught three of them for 43 yards. All right, so that, obviously, that's going to be an outlier. DeAndre Swift got targeted five times. You like seeing that if you invested in DeAndre Swift. Um, but Marvin Jones had eight targets. Caught four for 55. Not great. Danny Mendola. Seven targets, five catches, 81 yards. That's an awesome game for Amendola. Hawkinson only had the five targets. So in a week with no Kenny Galladay, 
who's going to be upwards of double digits on a week-to-week basis. He didn't even play in Hawkinson, still only got five targets. Now, the good thing is that he caught all five for 56 and the touchdown. So do I think that... Now, if uh, if Kenny Galladay plays week two, I absolutely don't think Hawkinson is going to be in the top five. If Kenny Galladay doesn't play then there's a shock. They're going against the Packers. The Packers just gave up a ton of points against Atlanta. Now, Lions offense is not Atlanta's offense, so I'm not trying to compare the two. But I do think the Lions are going to be trailing in this game, which means that the Lions are going to have to throw the ball more, which means you could probably get a pretty decent week out of Hawkinson. Now, I don't think he'll finish in the top five because there's a couple of tight ends that are usually locks for top five that didn't make it, like George Kittle and Zach Ertz. So you got to figure those two will probably right the ship. I'm not too sure about Kittle's status yet. He had he had the knee injury. Uh, he hasn't practiced yet this week, but the coaching staff came out and said he doesn't need to practice the play. So, I mean, just a few things to monitor at the tight end position, but um, more times than not, I'm not putting my money on Hawkinson to, you know, finish as a top five tight end. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for the tight ends. I just wanted to fly through those ones because, you know, tight ends are tight ends. Uh I'm definitely going to try to do this segment more, and I got some good news. AJ said that he should be able to, his recording schedule opened up a little bit more, so I'm going to be able to get together with him more so we can put more shows out there. So that's going to do it for this week's Praise or Shade. Congratulations to those who made it, and uh, I guess I should say big congratulations to the players that made it that usually don't, because I'm not sure when we'll see you guys back again, but you should come on back now, because it's nice over here, but I'm not I'm not really going to bank on that. But anyway, come on, like, what, like, just to show you how crazy week one was, right? I'm thinking about the outliers. We had, what, Naeem Hines, Malcolm Brown, Noah Font, Dallas Goddard, and TJ Hawkinson, all putting up nice weeks, like... And we had, uh, what, Peyton Barber rush for two touchdowns uh, week one. Like, there was just, you know, the uh, week one was just so crazy. You never know what to expect week one. That's why you guys know the old adage, like, you don't overreact to week one. Don't do anything drastic because week two, all of a sudden, the players you drafted early could go out there and do what you drafted them to do. And the people who uh, outplayed their ADPs week one could go back to, you know, kind of like where they belong, I guess you could say. So, I'm excited to see what week two has in store for us. And AJ and I look forward to breaking it all down. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Fantasy Football Champs podcast. Real quick, if you haven't left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and do so. Every time you do, that that gives us a little extra exposure to continue to grow the platform. So any support from you guys, we'd greatly appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys on the next episode.